Good morning. It's good to be in the house with you all today. Uh, today we're talking about a, a, a series, really. We just started it today called Be My Witnesses. And uh, the name of today's message is Be My Witnesses. Pretty, pretty original. Yeah. Do you ever write notes to people that you're, that you're close to? write notes, like maybe you're about to leave or something. See, uh, just a while ago, I wrote a note to my wife, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, we know what year it is, so we, our notes are texting. So I wrote her a note, and I said, hey, are you going to come meet me here at the church? And she writes me a note back, and she says, she sends me this note, and she says, uh, I can't get out of the house right now, there's a bobcat in the driveway. And I, like, kind of freak out. I'm like, what? Like, I've heard of reports of, of this. And I'm, I'm like, sending her texts. I'm like, I'm like, like, there's a bobcat in the driveway? Like, are the kids home? Are the kids inside? Because I'm hearing her just say, there's an animal that can kill our kids. I'm like, are the kids inside? Is everybody safe? Why aren't you as upset about this as me? me? Unrelax! There's a bobcat in the driveway. And she says, Adam, relax. The landscapers will be done soon. And that's when I realized that bobcat didn't mean bobcat. Bobcat means bobcat. <laughs> okay, relax, Adam. Relax. See, she sent me a note, but I didn't understand it. I didn't understand. I got the note all wrong. I got the note all wrong. Hopefully, you, hopefully your communication is a little bit better in your house than it was for me that day with my wife. But maybe you're leaving and, and, and you're going you're gonna to leave for a while and you leave a note for the babysitter. Uh, warm up the pizza in the refrigerator. There's, there's leftovers. You can microwave them. Or may, may, maybe you're leaving, you're leaving before your spouse gets out of bed and you say, please put the laundry in the dryer. Um, you're leaving, and you leave instructions for the people that are going to be behind. You know what I'm saying? You've done this before. You've left a note for the people that are left behind when you go. Jesus did that exact same thing for, our, our, uh, for the, the disciples, for us. He was on earth, and he left, and he left a note. And if we're not careful, we're going to misunderstand that note and think, you know, like something stupid like I did. I want us to understand what Jesus meant when he wrote the note. So we're going to talk about that note Today. Let me break it down. See, Jesus lived on earth, and he had disciples. The disciples followed him, and they believed the truth, that he was the Messiah, and one day he would rule the world. And the disciples were all frustrated because uh, Rome was invading their land, and they were thinking, the government, Gah! they were mad about the government. Anybody mad about the government? <laughs> somebody, somebody. And if you're not mad now, just wait a few years. You'll be mad again. That's how it tends to work. But the, the disciples were all mad about the government. And uh, because, you know, God was supposed to be in charge of the land. And Rome was invading. And so they were all frustrated. And, and Jesus, the Messiah, it's, it's, it's prophesied that he's going to one day rule the world. And so they're thinking, yeah, yeah. And then he dies. Where, where was that? Where was his ruling of the world? He dies. And then he comes back to life. This happened. He came back to life. And he showed up in front of over 500 people. So there was a whole lot of eyewitnesses that he died. And a whole lot of eyewitnesses that he came back to life. And he revealed himself to 
over 500 people. I'm alive, I'm a well. And then he gathered his disciples around and he, uh, he left them a note. And here it is, it's final instructions before you leave. We're gonna look at it today in Acts chapter one. If you wanna turn to Acts chapter one, you can. We'll have the words up on the screen. We have all the notes ready for you on mynewhope.in as well, uh, where you can follow along and then email the notes to yourself. In Acts chapter one, here's, here's the note Jesus left his disciples. Acts chapter one, verse three. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared, appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Here's the note. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, I'm about to go. I'm about to leave. I'm gonna go. You're gonna be on your own. I'm leaving the house. You're gonna be here at the house. Here's the note. You're gonna be on your own, but you're not gonna be on your own. I'm gonna send somebody that'll help you. I'm gonna send, the, if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit to, to be with you, to give you power. But the disciples did not understand the note correctly. They pulled an Adam and thought it was a bobcat, wasn't a bobcat. They didn't understand the note correctly and they said, this is the very next verse, Acts 1.6. Then they gathered around him and said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? At this time, are you going to barge down the emperor's door? At this time, are you going to kick Rome out? At this time, are we going to take the nation by storm and, and, and you'll be ruling everything again, Lord? This is it, God. And he says, no, 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 that's, that's not what we're going to do. He said to them, verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. That's not what we're doing, guys. That's, that's not what we're doing. No, no, no. There'll be a time for that, and it's not yours to know the time for that. That is yet to come. Christians believe still today that Jesus is going to come back again, and he'll be in charge of the world. So he breaks it down for him. He explains his note. For those, for the, for those silly disciples that misunderstood the note like I did my wife's note, he broke it down. Let me explain it for you. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Yeah, so we can tear down at the emperor. No, no, no. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What's it for? And you will be my witnesses. Everybody say, be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, here's my deal. I'm gonna go, but you're not alone. I'm sending the Holy Spirit and I'm giving you power. Not power to bark around like you've got power, but power to be my witnesses, to do the things you saw me do. That was Jesus' mission on earth, to, to show love. In, in fact, Luke 19, 10 says, for the Son of Man, this is his mission, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So if we are the witnesses of Jesus, that by extension is our goal too, to seek and save the lost. We don't save them but we're the witnesses to the one who can. You're with me, right? Yeah. I could preach if I could get a hmm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus uses geography to explain to uh, his disciples what kind of witnesses they should be. He uses a, a, a literal geography example to them so that they can understand what, how to be a witness and who they should be a witness to. 
And what was literally true for them is figuratively true for us. It tells them to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here we're going to look at it. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I'm giving you a list today. Four groups of people we are to be witnesses to. Four groups of people we are to be witnesses to. Here's number one. Our Jerusalem. He's talking to people in Jerusalem. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. These are people today, this is not a direct command to go to Jerusalem for us, but we can, by extent, figuratively for us, we can um, realize that Jesus wants us to reach the people that we have everyday contact with. These are the people around us who have similar interests, people that live in your house, people that you work with every day, people that you interact with every day. These are people that are in your, your sphere of influence. You've heard that phrase before, sphere of influence. These are people that you can influence and who can influence you. Let me, let me help, help, help you understand this. I'll just tell you about my sphere of influence. Here at the office, we use a, a software called Nucleus. Nucleus. And just to mess with me, Pastor Todd started calling it, I can't even say it right. He started calling it Nucleus. The name of it is Nucleus. He started calling it Nucleus. 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 And every time I talked about it in a meeting or something, I would say, wait, how's that go? What's it called? He says, nucleus. I'm like, yeah, nucleus. And for like two years, I can't say the word nucleus. In fact, the only reason I'm saying nucleus correctly is because I wrote it phonetically. <laughs> He's in my sphere of influence. He messed with me. And I still can't say the word. <laughs> nucleus. Maybe, maybe you're from the South and you used to say Oil, or you know, I got to get my oil changed, or, 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 or maybe you've been in the South before. You just start to talk a little different. You have a different sphere of influence. You're influencing them. They're influencing you. That is your Jerusalem. Sociologists say that we have everybody here has between 50 or 100 people whose names you know. So that's, a lot of, that's a lot of names. Maybe, maybe you have more, maybe you have a few less, but 50 to, 50 to uh, 150 is pretty normal. These are friends, coworkers, classmates, teammates, neighbors, parents of your kids' friends, vendors at work maybe, people that you're interacting with every day. This is your Jerusalem. This is our Jerusalem. And we are to be witnesses to our Jerusalem. Here's number two, Judea, Judea. Geographically, this was the surrounding nation around Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was a city, Judea was the nation that it was in. Um, it's, it's so, so these are people that have a shared lifestyle. They go to some of the same stores, right? Like, like here we have, if I mention Kroger, you know what I'm talking about, but if you mention Kroger to somebody from the, East, from the West Coast, they're like, what? No idea. We don't, we don't shop in the same stores. It's just a totally different region. So Judea is people that share, the, share language, share a lifestyle, and share an interest. Your Judea is the people that you share something with. It, it, it's a, you may not see them every day, but there's a low hurdle. It, it doesn't, it's not a huge jump to be able to start a conversation with them. You're, you're shopping for the same thing at Home Depot. 
Guys, you know what I'm saying. Like, like you're, you're in the line looking for something. You make some smart aleck comment. Boom, you just found a, a Judea. You just found right there, that guy, trying to find the right size drill bit, just like you. You found, a, you, you found yourself a Judea. Your entire school. Maybe these aren't the, the people that you're in class with, but your whole school can be your Judea. Or sh- somebody, somebody uh, behind you at the line at Kroger or, or Walmart. The line's moving so slow. Why do you think God gave you that much time? Maybe it could be to be a witness to your Judea. But you find your Judea. Your Judea is sitting right behind you. Maybe it's the other parents at the daycare you use or other parents at a sporting event. You have something in common. Your kids are doing the same thing. You're not seeing them every single day, but you're one or two rings removed. That is your Judea. And Jesus is saying, you may not always speak with them, but when you do, you better be my witnesses of love. So let me ask you, how are we doing at that? How are we doing at being witnesses of love to our Judea, to the people we interact with in a month? Let me ask you, if there were, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, just ask yourself this though. If there was a hidden camera, there's not, but if there was a hidden camera on a little drone that followed you around everywhere you went and, and kept, kept footage of everything you did, when you're at Kroger and the line is too slow and you're frustrated because that clerk is doing the best she can but it's still not fast enough, or, or when you're in your car and somebody cuts you off, or when the waitress is doing the best she can but it's still not very good, how are, you know, that footage is being caught. Just imagine it. When, you're, when your acquaintance who votes differently from you says something about the guy that you don't like, what... Would that hidden footage reveal you to be a witness of the love of Jesus? Or would you be embarrassed by it? Would Jesus be embarrassed by it? Let's be a witness of the love of Jesus to our Judea. The love of Jesus, if you've experienced it, you know it doesn't make any sense. You should not be forgiven. Neither should I. The the message of the cross, the message of the love of Jesus is completely irrational. Romans 5, 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Anybody would die for someone who was holy, but while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That makes no sense. Keep that in mind. If you were just thinking, Adam, I can't be, I can't, I can't show love to the idiot that crossed that cut me off. Okay. It doesn't make sense. Right. That is what it means to be a witness of the love of Jesus. We love when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't make sense. Kind of like people from Samaria. That's number three. We are to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. For the original hearers that, uh, that would have heard Jesus' note, they were in Jerusalem, which was a city Judea was the nation that that city was in. And way above that is Galilee. And between Judea and Galilee, there's this region called Samaria. And Jews hated, hated Samaritans. They were detestable to them. It was a region 
of the nation of Israel that had split and they dishonored God in the Old Testament. So if you were a proper Jew, you had to hate him. You just, you just had to hate him. They had their own version of the Mosaic law. Samaria did. The Samaritans did. So again, the Mosaic law is holy. How can you touch it? Well, they did. And, the, uh, and then the, the people in Samaria, Samaria they, they, inter, they intermarried. So it wasn't all Jews. It was the Jews called them half-breeds. They were detestable. And it wasn't just like something that happened two years ago and they saw some angst on CNN. This was centuries of political, racial, and religious differences between the Jews and the Samaritans. In fact, if you were, if you were a Jew in Judea and you needed to go to Galilee, it was pretty typical for you to travel dozens of miles around Samaria just to not go. Like, if I'm going to go to, to, to Indianapolis, I'm going to get on I-69 and go straight down south. But if I hate Marion so much that I go through Ohio, that would seem silly. Yet that's the, exactly the, how silly they were. They didn't want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. We're going to go around them. Have you ever been around someone you didn't like interacting with? I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. Jesus says, you go love those people. Be my witnesses to those people. That doesn't make sense. Neither does my love, he says. And he modeled it for us. John uh, 4, 4 says he had to go through Samaria. And Jesus went right through it. He didn't go around it. He went through it when he was going to Galilee. Why did he model this for us? Why does he mention Samaria? I think it's because he wants us to know that we are called to reach the people who are not like us just as much as we're called to reach the people that are like us. The devil and the media have convinced far too many of us that those who are not like us are our enemies. That's not true. Those people that are not like us are our mission field. So are the people that are like you. There is such a division in our culture that, is, that division is fueled by this thought that if you don't look like me, vote like me, think like I think, believe what I believe, then you're my enemy. That is not true. That doesn't make them right, but they're not our enemy. In fact, Jesus says the exact opposite thing. Jesus says how we should think. If it's the opposite. If you don't think like me, then you're somebody that Jesus died for. The first thing that I can say about every human being with blood pumping through their veins is that they were made in the image of God. Yes. And Jesus died for them. They can be really, really wrong. But they're still made in the image of God. Somebody that Jesus died for, and I am called to be a witness to them. And so are you. So are you. Those are the people in Samaria. My job as a Jesus follower is not to change you or, or judge you. My job is to love you in such a way that you would see the love of God through me. And you will never see the love of God through me. If my trigger response, I'm, okay, you got your, you got your steel-toed boots on? I might step on somebody here. You will never see the love of God through me if my trigger response 
to a phrase like, make America great again, black lives matter, build the wall, love is love, let's go Brandon, or my body, my choice. If my trigger response to any of those is, you idiot, you will never see the love of God in me. You'll never see the love of Jesus if my trigger response is, dummy, moron, stupid. It'd be more honoring if my trigger response was, what do you mean? Or, tell me more. That's what you say to somebody that Jesus loves. You find somebody Jesus loves and then you look at them and tell them they're stupid. Tell, call them an idiot. When you find that person, you can call them an idiot. You won't. Secret. You won't find the person Jesus doesn't love. Am I doing okay? Matthew 5 says, Jesus gives us this command. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He's talking about people that persecute your faith, not your politics, by the way. Pray for those who persecute your faith, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, my kids, Jesus says, my kids are known for their love. My kids are known for their love. My kids love people who aren't like them. Church, an unbelieving world is looking for love and acceptance. We're looking for love and acceptance. And that love and acceptance, I believe, is only found through a right relationship with Jesus Christ. How else are they going to see it if they don't see it in us? That's what we're here for, to be his witnesses. We get to represent the king. Think of what it would be like, like, if, like if, if you got to meet King Charles. It's king now, it's not queen, that's different. How cool would it be to meet King Charles? Like, I'm not even British, but like, that'd be cool. That'd be cool, and like, I'd have to like, walk, like, walk out of the room backwards and all these rules, and I'd have to go to a class for a day, don't know how to interact with the royalty. And then if King Charles gave me a job to do, like, hey, I, I need you to go to Wales, that's my English accent, I need you to go to Wales and deliver this letter to Duke of Yorkshire, I don't even know what I'm saying. But that'd be like a pretty, pretty big deal to represent the king. Christians, we represent a king. That's a pretty big deal. It is an honor to represent a king. That means it is an honor, a privilege to love the people we don't like. It's a privilege. It's not a hassle. It's a privilege because you're taking, you're, taking, you're taking a message from the king, from the king, baby, and you don't even have to go through a class to learn all the rules of how to walk in and out of the room. We are to be the witnesses to Jerusalem, our Judea, the people that, that it's easy to interact with. We're to be witnesses to Samaria, the people that we would not normally interact with, maybe even people we just dislike. And Jesus could have stopped there, but he didn't. He said, you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. In keeping with Jesus' pattern, it actually would have made more sense for him to say, 
like, like to stick with the geography. You know, he's, he's doing a geography lesson, and, and he could have mentioned the known world at the time. You were to be my witnesses all the way west to Spain, that far, all the way south to Ethiopia, and all the way east to this faraway land half of you don't know about yet called China. Be my witnesses there. And Jesus took it further, knowing, because he was God, he knows everything. There was more land than that. He says, you're to be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. And he's not just talking about geography anymore. Bottom line is he did not want us to think too small about where we are to be witnesses to. Isaiah 49 says, it's too small a thing for you to, for you to be my servant to restore the tribe of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will make, it's talking about Jesus. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. And Jesus reached the ends of the earth by his work on the cross. That's the whole point of Jesus' work on the cross so that the very ends of the earth, including Gentiles, not just Jews anymore, everybody can have salvation through Jesus Christ. And so the disciples know, know that verse in Isaiah. And Jesus says, I'm leaving, but you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus didn't physically, and man, he didn't travel west to Spain and even wester to England. He didn't travel down to Ethiopia. He sent people to do it. And those people never quit. And the message of the cross has continued through the witness of the church because Christians got that note and got that note right. You're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the very ends of the earth. Christians got that note. And, and, and the message of the cross has never died. Nothing can stop it. Borders won't stop it. Ideology will not stop it. A government cannot stop it. They've tried. A global pandemic didn't stop it. No trade agreement can stop it. We are the unstoppable church. Why? Because we carry the love of Jesus. We carry the love of Jesus anywhere and everywhere we go. Let me tell you about an opportunity we have. In two weeks, we're launching a new series, starting in November, and it's going to take up every Sunday in November. When does it start? November. That's all you got to remember. We're starting a series in November. Uh, and it's, uh, it's going to be called What's the Point? I think we got the graphic up there we can put up. And this series is going to be based off of this book called Donkey Mission. It's written by Matt Keller. Matt Keller's grandma was right across the street on Kind of Road 35, right across the street from our church. He grew up in a, in a house between here and Auburn on Kind of Road 35. Now he's a pastor at Next Level Church. We talk about it often. Uh, he's a pastor at Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida. And he's written this book, Donkey Mission, that answers a lot of the questions that everybody's asking. And there's a gospel presentation in the book. So here's what we're doing. In two weeks, starting in November, we're starting a series called What's the Point? Centered around the concepts in this book. It's a four-week series, and it answers a lot of the, the questions that people are asking. When life seems pointless, what do you do? Do you, do you work with somebody? Do you know somebody that's like, feels like they're in a dead-end job? Maybe, maybe it's you, and you can, you can share that with, a, with another coworker. Like, what's the point? Why does God have me here? Why am I even, why am I here on this earth right now? What's the point? 
Second week, we're going to talk about issues from our past. It's not just about ignoring them. It's about getting healing from them. Do you know anybody that's had a past that's made their current life hard? We're going to tell them the answer. It's Jesus. Third week, we're going to talk about excuses we make prevent us from going forward. In the fourth week, we're talking about relationships that make or break our success and our, and our future. The answer to all of life's questions are Jesus. We're going to help you give Jesus to the people you know. This series is not just for you. I'm excited. I think you're going to love it. But it's not just for you. It's for you to bring somebody. That's why we're selling these books today. Um, we're going to have four weeks of giveaways those days. It's going to be a lot of fun. And these books we're selling in book bundles. One book, you can get it on Amazon for $15. And if you want to spend $15 for one book, you can, you can do that. But this is a four-book bundle, and we're selling them to you for 20 total. That's five bucks a book, $10 a book discount. Huge, huge. For 20 bucks, you get a four-book four bundle. And every book has one of these invite cards. It says, see you Sunday, and information about our church, and an information card about the series that we're doing in November. Every book has that stuck in it. Uh, it's specific for, for our church. And so what, what we hope you do is you buy a four-book bundle, make an investment into somebody. Make an investment into your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. I really don't like that guy. Okay, Samaria. Make an investment into your world. You read one and give the other three to somebody else. These books are thin. They're small. You can keep one like in a bag or something. And when God opens the door, it could, the invite can be as simple as, hey, my church is doing this awesome thing. I think you might like this book. I'm reading it. It's been pretty good so far. But I think you might like it. You give them a book and say, we're going to talk about it at my church. Do you want to come with me on November 6th? What service? I'll meet you at the door. That might not all happen in one conversation. But that's the idea. Why? So we can be his witnesses. If you don't want the books, these, we have some extra cards. We have lots of these. These are free. Anybody can just grab them. They're, everything's going to be right out there at the table after service. Uh, if you don't have cash, you can use the Church Center app. Go to the events page. and look, it's, We made it an event to buy a book bundle. Um, and you can process payment that way with a card. And just say, I ordered it online, and we'll hand it to you. Makes sense? If you have any questions about that, there'll be people at that table right out there in the foyer with the books. But I hope you pick up uh, a book bundle today so you can take advantage of this opportunity to be a witness. This matters because people in our world are hurting. This isn't a gimmick. This is a chance. People in our world are hurting. They're desperate for answers. And who's the answer? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We need to take Jesus to him. And right here is a great place to find him. It's not the only place to find him, but I think it's a pretty great one. Here's a great place to find him. And the message of this book will help make sense of their broken life. I think people are more inclined to come when, when you give them a reason. And the reason could be you gave them a free book. So before you leave today, please uh, consider investing $20 into someone else's life. Would you stand with me?
every single person here is here because somebody invited you. There might have been a person that says, hey, I go to New Hope, will you come with me? Maybe that's you. You're here because somebody invited you here to this church. But every single person here is here because of the witness of the church. Maybe somebody 40 years ago came and invited you to church. Maybe someone 40 years ago said, said, there's this guy that I know named Jesus. I'd like to tell you about him. Maybe, maybe the witness of, of a church on a sign or, or, a, or on social media helped you recognize that you needed something more. Every person here heard about Jesus because of the witness of the church. Because we're unstoppable when we carry the love of Jesus. You could be that for somebody. Maybe today you're here and you're thinking, man, I, I, I mean, this is all kind of cool. I like that, but uh, I'm not sure I've even made that decision to follow Jesus. It's very simple. If you want to make the decision to follow Jesus, to be a Christian, and say, yeah, like, like you got to make the decision. It's just which way are your feet pointed? Maybe your feet were pointed away from God, and now you point, need to point your feet towards God. See, the penalty for our sin, we're all born with it. The penalty for our sin is, is separation from God. Death, spiritual death. And we all owe it, except Jesus. Jesus did not owe the, that penalty because he never sinned. And Jesus died for us and came back to life, which conquered sin, the curse of sin. And now anybody that opens their life up to Jesus and looks to him as the answer can walk with him just like he wanted it. We can have eternal peace, united with the Lord. If you want to make that decision, it's very easy. It's just you say yes to Jesus. You believe what Jesus did. You admit that you're a sinner. You believe that, that he's the one that paid the penalty for you. And you say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You, you, you turn your feet and you make him in charge. You go his direction. If you want to make that decision, we're going to have prayer partners at the end. I encourage you to come to them and say, yeah, I, I want to do that. I want to turn my feet. And they'll know what you're talking about, and they'll pray with you. Jesus left us a note on the counter to be his witnesses. Are we going to misunderstand that note? Are we going to take up that burden, that responsibility to be a witness? We've received the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses to carry the message of Jesus to the world around us. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would be found faithful to carry your witness, to carry your love to the world around us. Thank you, Lord, for empowering us.